This is Top Floor, Episode 3. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash three. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. It is my great pleasure to welcome Calvin Taloki for today's ride up to the top floor. Calvin's career spans positions in hotel and restaurant companies, where he focused on revenue strategy, reservations, and distribution. Calvin also started what I think is the funniest account on Instagram, Rev Parblums, in 2016, and he's grown that audience to somewhere between 19 and 20,000 people. At the height of the pandemic, Calvin started a new company, RevPar Media, to leverage his success on Instagram on behalf of hospitality clients. Calvin's here to talk with us today about finding your hotel's voice on social media. But first, we are going to answer the emergency call button. Today's marketing emergency comes from Kesley, who asks, We are located in a beach town with a lot of condos and rental houses available. How can my hotel compete with vacation rental properties in our area? So what do you think, Calvin? Any good ideas? Well, that's an issue that's been facing the industry for some years now. I think what you got to do is you got to highlight your attributes as a hotel. I've done both as a guest. Obviously, I've stayed in tons of hotels, but over the years have actually used some vacation rentals depending on where you are. And each one of them has their own perks. If you do want to hang out, you know, just kind of lounge around, a hotel room is not the best place to do that. Even the nicest hotel rooms, you're like, you want to get out of them, you know? So in, in that case, the vacation rental has the benefit of, outdoor space, your own private kitchen. So your, your day is a bit more leisurely and you can move at your own pace. However, you have no housekeeping. Something goes wrong. That person is not there. You know, if your, your sink stops up or something's wrong with the shower, there's nobody to call, right? So from the hotel standpoint, I think you've got to constantly market your attributes, the services you provide. I think a lot of times people are using the vacation rentals because they like the open space, you know, more of a communal kind of space. So highlight those things. If you have those things where people can sit in the lobby, some of the great views you may have, you always want to focus on what you do best and what you have that the competition doesn't have. I agree with you. I think my advice to Kesley would be lean into the fact that you're nothing like home. If you're a hotel You don't have to clean up and wash the dishes after breakfast. You don't have to worry that the bed is made after you've tossed and turned all night. So (laughs) I agree with you. I think leaning into those differences is probably better than trying to turn your hotel into an Airbnb or try to make it seem more like a Verbo listing. Right, right. Well, Calvin, thanks for being here. I'd like to start with a brief overview of your background. So what was your first job in hospitality? Well, uh, my first real job was a reservations manager at a Hilton property in Westchester County, New York, where I'm from. As um, I did that for about four years, I was a res manager. 
But prior to that, I did go to hospitality school. So I did internships, which we all know are just jobs that you hold for three months. You know, <laughs> um, so I, true fact, true fact. Yeah, I worked at that same hotel as a GSA front desk agent for about a year. You know, for a summer, I waited tables. Prior to that, we had a hotel on campus, so we worked front desk shifts there. I, I did housekeeping in that hotel, and then we had events where we would do F and B and and service and purchasing and stewarding and all of that stuff. I know your career path has taken you back and forth from hotels to celebrity chef-driven restaurants Mm -hmm. and back Mm -hmm. to hotels. Can you talk a little bit about how leading a reservations operation in hotels and restaurants are alike and how they're different? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. You know what? They really aren't different. I couldn't think of too many differences, which I think speaks to the fact that We all have a lot of transferable skills in hospitality that we may not realize. And I think once you start really tapping into things like yield management, you know, trying to fill, say, for example, if you have a suite at your property that can fit eight people, you'd prefer to have eight people in there, right? Because they want to spend more money around the hotel, probably room service, these things, but that's yielding properly your property. In a restaurant, it's no different. You know, on on a busy Friday night, a busy Saturday night, you don't want to put two people on a four top during dinner, right? There's 7, 8 p.m. time slot. So it's using that same kind of mentality. I oversold the heck out of a restaurant, right? <laughs> because this is New York City. This question just occurred to me because I, it's interesting to hear you say how similar the two are. Makes mm. perfect sense. I worked in restaurants like all coming up and you know observe the same thing like we're not putting two people at an eight top or whatever right do restaurants have any type of training program or is it more intuitive so in hotels you know you can buy a book about how to manage yield for a hotel can you buy mm-hmm. a book about how to do it for a restaurant that's a good question um if not, not maybe you should write one <laughs> yeah, right. yeah and that's not one that i could say i have the answer to but um i do see a point i do think that there's probably more of a focus on it in the hotel business i will say i mean in my experience i think you you raise a good point about training period i don't think we do a great job of it in hotels which i think leads to a lot of the turnover we've experienced but i'd say we do even less on the restaurant side at least in my experience I mean, the restaurant jobs I've had, it's it's show up and, you know, I mean, they really just just throw you in. It's talk about secret swim. Right? Shadow someone for a shift and then you're shift. on your own. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there was no training really about, I mean, the training I got at that restaurant for uh, as the res manager there was really just on the system, like how to, you know, get the the phone calls out of the queue and, and tracking conversion and, and that kind of stuff. So software stuff. Okay, we had a script to answer the phone. I'd say that. That was about it, right? The, the, this is how you answer the phone. That's also true in hotels and in a lot of circumstances that there is a huge focus on people understanding systems and mm-hmm. not as much of a focus on people understanding theory and strategy. It's real it's an a, interesting such a great point. Yeah, it's That's an interesting dynamic. Point. Yeah. So now that you've started your own company, what do you miss mm-hmm. about hotels? Um, I miss people. You know, I, I'm a people person. It's you know one of the things that attracted me to this industry. I enjoy as much as I was on the revenue side for a big part of my career. Ultimately, we're all there to to create memories for these guests. 
And I like being a part of that. I, I do miss that. I miss being able to see the look on a guest's face when they show up and, you know, everything's great for them. Right. And, you know, cause I travel quite a bit in, and I know how I like to feel when I travel. And I think it's, it's delivering that same thing to guests. So I do, I do miss that. I miss the camaraderie of being in the office. You know, a big part of what I do on Instagram is just, you know, just kind of cracking jokes with, with the people you work with. And I do miss that. Is there anything that you don't miss about being in hotels? Um, meetings, <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of these, these unnecessary meetings that, you know, could have been an email, you know, not to overuse that cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because Correct. it's like, why are we sitting in this room talking about the stuff that we could have just done in 30 seconds on an email? I used to sit in three hour EC meetings because I had a GM that was just super chatty. And listen, I can be chatty. I, de- I definitely am chatty. I, I'm, there's, there's no hiding that, but it's a time and a place. Right? <laughs> like when, when I've got a forecast to do or budgets do, I don't need to sit to do three hours on anything. There's nothing that should take three hours <laughs> in a hotel. This is not open heart surgery here. Why did you start Rev Parblums? It happened organically. It really did. I've always had a great sense of humor. I like to laugh. I like to make other people laugh. And I like to keep the workplace kind of light. Things can get stressful. And I, I realized actually my coping mechanism is just comedy. I started making these memes at my first director of revenue job. This is back in like maybe 2012. And I would, I would, this is how old I am. I'd make them, you'd have to print, I printed them out and I put them on my door and I'd, I'd rotate them out every so often. And, you know, people got a kick out of it. We had these weekly conference calls where everybody would just kind of go through what their hotels are seeing and whatever. And Something would come out of that meeting and it would be funny and I'd make a meme out of it and send it to the the distribution list and people started getting a kick out of them. So then I just started a group. It was actually started as a Facebook group years ago. And um, the, the thing with Facebook, though, is you post as yourself, right? Even if you're in a group. So I would just start making these memes. And the idea was for everybody in the group to just kind of make their own memes and put them in there so we all could kind of share. But it got to a point where I was the only one who could do one every single day. So it kind of became known as Calvin's group. And then because of that, people thought that the posts I was making were happening at my hotel because everybody knew who I was. So they they assumed that the joke I made would have to do with something that just happened at my hotel. Were you Um, ever nervous that you would get in trouble? Not really. It was on my mind. But you know what? I, I looked at it as a positive. I kind of looked at it like, I mean, my VPs were on there when <laughs> that groove and stuff, you know, but it was like, listen, you can't come out with shitty star reports and be cracking jokes. So, you know, that's not going to be a, a good look for you. Right. <laughs> so it kind of it kind of made me make sure to to continue to perform and make sure that my hotel was doing well, that I was doing well so that these jokes wouldn't look as if. I just wasn't, I didn't care. Or I, you know, I was messing around. Were there any unintended consequences of starting Rev problems? I think probably the only thing is kind of typical social media stuff where you're dealing with a lot of people's baggage, I realize. And I've realized this more now as, as the pandemic has happened and things have gotten a lot harder for a lot of us in the industry. Um, so I've become more lenient about it, but sometimes you just, you make an innocent joke. And people are using the comments as like a dumping ground for all their issues. And it's kind of like, 
dude, calm down. Like, this is a joke. Like, that's this is the point of the page. You get it, right? Is to like, is to laugh about this stuff, you know. I've noticed, I feel like you keep a pretty even hand. I've never seen you like bite anyone's head off, which I think is a commendable trait on your part. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I I, I try to. I think the, the closest I've been to that is very early on. I made a I made a meme about you know, saying that if your hotels are open right now, you need to be thanking your your sales revenue and, and accounting teams. But I, and I said I call the re- revenge of the nerds, you know, because, <laughs> <laughs> because we're, we're typically the nerdy ones in the building, just dealing with numbers and all this stuff. And people, I, I think, don't don't pay enough attention to you know to that. So I was just really highlighting the the fact that you. I hope now you guys realize how important these roles are. That's really was the only thing. And um, someone who was in operations, uh, as usual, as they always do, made made it about them and, and how hard they work. And, you know, this is, you know, we're the ones keeping the guests happy. And it was I I, I stopped short of calling him out of his name. But it's kind of like, dude, right now is not the time. OK, right now I'm highlighting somebody else. So give me a break. That's the, the closest I've been to actually going back with somebody in the comments. What is the best thing that's happened to you as a result of your raging success on Instagram? <laughs> um, I mean, I would say it's formulating relationships with people that I otherwise never would have met. It's been really cool. I mean, I, I, I've, I've traveled to a, f- a few different cities and, you know, here in the country and you get recognized, uh, like I'd go, you know, the Expedia conference in Vegas and people like running up to you and it's like, whoa, you know, it's it's a little, at first it's it's kind of shocking. You're like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but clearly it resonates with a lot of people. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I was in Scotland a couple of years ago on a, a vacation and I'm staying at the uh, Glen Eagles Resort, which is very old school white glove service, very famous, but it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you have to take a five hour train ride from London to get there. The first night we get there, I'm in the restaurant with my wife. And this girl comes through the, the restaurant in a front desk uniform. And she's like, she's walking really fast with, with purpose. And she walks right up to us, looks at my wife, looks at me, and then goes, Mr. Ref Problems? And I th- I was like, this has got to be some kind of a prank. I am in the middle of the Scottish Highlands. I mean, hours from civilization. I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? And oh, she's that like, is so cool. Yeah, she's like, oh my God, I'm such a big fan. I've been following you for years, et cetera, et cetera. She wanted to take a picture with me and everything. I was like, that, I mean, that's awesome. You, you oh, that is that so yeah. cool. Yeah, that's that really, really cool. neat. I feel like you do a great job of being funny and really getting to the truth of the hotel business and of hospitality mm-hmm. without ripping guests apart too much. So yeah. your account is not built on this guest is stupid, here's why, etc. Was that a deliberate decision on your part or is it just part of your personality? I'm just not that guy. You know, that's that's not what I'm about. It's not what I don't I don't find that stuff funny either. I don't think it puts you in a good light. And, I, you know, quite frankly, I think if that's how you feel, then this is probably not the industry for you. You know what I mean? Of course, guests can be can be a pain. Of course, you know, all nothing I talk about is fun. I just make fun of it. I mean, missing forecast is not a fun thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> missing budget is not a fun thing. Having to walk somebody's not a fun thing. But I kind of, you know, I try to just bring some levity to those situations so we can kind of shrug it off and get back at it. If you want to find a creative, funny way to express that feeling, then I can respect that. But to just be here guest bashing and stuff like that. It's not for me. 
I mean, some people in, enjoy that. It's, it's just not my style and it's not something I enjoy. Understood. As I scrolled back through your posts, I looked at a lot of posts. I went deep into the deep cuts <laughs> and I saw something that you posted on the first day your account was live. It's this thing that we always talk about in hotels, in the com- especially on the commercial teams. Hope is not a strategy. Mm-hmm. What do you think that means in 2021? Well, I think uh, we might need more hope now than we did back <laughs> back then. <laughs> but <laughs> it's the same as it ever was. I think it's more important now to have a plan. We were operating in competitive markets pre-COVID. I mean, just speaking for myself, working out of New York City, it was a dogfight then with, with all the supply coming in. It was getting harder and harder to get business, fill your hotel, hit pace, you know, keep up in pace to where you were in years previously. It got harder and harder to do that. Now, completely obliterate all the demand. And you still got, for the most part, the same supply. I know some hotels have closed and things, but I don't think it's it's not to a level where you're going to say, well, okay, well, hey, half the market closed, so we should all be good now. It's 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 nowhere near that significant. So everybody's fighting for less business now. And it's going to be even more important to strategize, to know who your target guest is, know who your target demographic is, and build around that. And build your strategies, your rate strategies, your marketing, everything to find that person. So forecasting and being diligent about what you're doing. You know, you can't just change rates willy-nilly here. You've got to have a, an idea of what you're trying to do. You founded RevPar Media at the height of the pandemic in mm-hmm. April 2020. And that really rings a lot of bells for me because I started my company in the spring of 2009 at the height of the financial crisis. Can you tell us about RevPar Media, what your mission is and what services you offer? Sure. Um, Well, that basically came out of the idea of trying to help hotels do social media properly. Obviously, Ref Problems has been going for while I was working and I started to realize what worked on social media, what I was good at, the creativity, and quite frankly, the the revenue mind of strategy and analysis, knowing when to post certain things. A lot of it is very spontaneous and creative, but early on, a lot of my content was posted at times I knew people would be feeling it. You know, I may get an idea for something about a forecast, but I'd post that closer to the middle to the end of the month because that's when people are going to be doing that. You know, if you got something about budget or, you know, checking in a guest, I'd post those on the weekends because that's when the ops people are working is going to hit home for them, right? So kind of taking that approach to social media and learning those things over the course of years led me to, as an end user in the hotel space, whether we were doing it in-house or we had an agency doing these things, to really kind of measure what they were doing. And I realized that we don't we do not do enough of that from the hotel side. We're not strategizing social media. It, it goes one of two ways. We either give it to the youngest person in the office and say, you, you know, you're the Instagram person now because, you know, you know how to do this stuff. Or you're paying agencies exorbitant amounts of money that can get you followers, but then they don't understand the hotel business and they don't know how to convert those followers into paying customers, paying guests. So my 
brainchild of, of RefPart Media was to bridge that gap. I have extensive experience in hotels. I understand the business. I understand revenue management, strategy, analysis, but I also have the creativity and knowledge of how to do that and translate that to social media. So my mission is to help hotels do it properly and utilize it as a true part of the marketing funnel, as opposed to just this offshoot something, hey, we know we need to be on social media, but we're not taking it seriously. You know, you're not going to get results with anything if you don't take it seriously. A lot of people, I think, expect a revenue management expert to be more analytical than creative. Where do you think your creativity comes from? Does your revenue management expertise or experience inform the creative work or is it a separate skill set? That's a really good question as far as where it comes from. I don't, I don't know. You reminded me, make me dig way back, but I remember I was maybe this is maybe fifth grade when we <laughs> we had those computers with floppy disks and stuff like that. We had a project to do. And the project was to make using the computer where you had to put in type in commands and stuff back in those days, make a, make a video, uh, kind of a digital video. And I made a, I made one of um, my brother being born or like him, my parents bringing him home. So I remember I had like a cityscape in the background and like a car driving, like bringing him home and stuff. So, I mean, I I wasn't expecting a touching moment from this question. (laughs) Me either, me either. But you, you, you know, you've, you kind of brought one out of me that I completely forgot about. But I mean, I was maybe 10 years old when I did that, right? So, you know, I had a level of creativity even then. I also did some writing when I was younger that got into the school paper, you know, for like a writing a short story. So um, I think I've, I've always had it. There was a second part to that question, but I forget now. <laughs> Just if you, do, if you think that revenue management is a separate skill set mm. or if your creativity is w- of a piece with the analytical i think yeah no it's a piece i think anybody any good revenue manager is going to have a bit of both i've heard a phrase saying that revenue management is part art part science i think i lean a bit more to the art creative side of it i think i'm naturally that kind of person but your data and your analytics also need to be strong obviously you can't have too much of one or, or the other I think anybody, if you're if you're only going to go off the numbers, you're not going to be successful, right? Because number one, they have RMS systems for that now. So you'll be out of a job, right? <laughs> but I think you have to use the data and read the trends in the analysis and use that to drive your creativity. Okay, how do I use this information to come up with a creative way to position this hotel? a creative way to display these rates and and get that out there at the right time. As you know, we like to make sure that our listeners come away from each episode of Top Floor with a couple of very practical, tangible tips to try either in their business or their hotel, their restaurant. I'd love to get your thoughts on issues that I think many hoteliers are facing right now. Mm Mm-hmm. So when I started my company in 2009, a lot of hotel companies really scoffed at the value of social media and digital marketing. Mm -hmm. It was still a wild, wild west. Over the years, there is a lot more acceptance of social as a viable channel, but it still seems to be low on the priority list. You referred to that a little bit earlier. What are two or three reasons that hotels should invest in social today? Well, the the biggest reason is this is where your customers are. 
period. Everybody's got a phone. Everyone's on some form of social media, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, they're on there. I think it's highlighted now, you know, in, in, in the pandemic where people couldn't travel, right? There was no chance of them driving by your hotel and seeing it and say, oh, I'll stay there. You know, everybody, we were all stuck in our houses and on our phones. And to me, being a bit more of a visionary in that department, I, it was, I was like, guys, now was the time to spend your money on that marketing and get on Instagram and get on social media because everyone is on their phones all day. What else were we going to do? Right? So that customer, that guest that you're looking to stay at your hotel is on Instagram, is on Facebook, is on TikTok. If a hotel has never been on Instagram before, how should they start? Do you have a couple of top tips? Do you think they should sponsor ads to get new followers? What do you think they should do? Um, I specialize in doing things organically. Not that there's anything wrong with ads, but I think that that's kind of what sets me apart. I mean, I've built my audience organically. I've never done any, any ads for rep problems. So I, I would start with that. I think the first couple of things I always tell a new client is your bio. Your bio is a lot more critical than you think. If you name yourself, say Holiday Inn Express Chicago, right? That's your Instagram name. But then there's a line that says name when you set up the account. People put it again. You don't need to do that. That line is searchable by Google. So what you may want to put instead is boutique hotel O'Hare Airport, right? Something like that. So now when somebody's searching for that, your Instagram will show up. I think that's a key one. The same way we, you know, you're looking at it on Google and all, all of these these other things. That's something you want to do. So utilize those keywords. Develop a plan. That's where everything is going to fail, and that's why I think I was alluding to earlier when you just say, "Hey, let's just throw it to the intern and you know let them do it," or even with an agency. And I think a lot of times the agencies end up giving you this vanilla cookie cutter content because we as a hotel, we're not giving them a strategy. We're not telling them, hey, these are the people we need to reach. This is how old they are. This is how much money they make. This are the locations they are. Go get them. Build the content to go find those people. You know, So they may be handcuffed a bit, but come up with that plan. Highlight your attributes. What about our hotel is special? What about our hotel do we want to put out there to guests that's going to attract them to come stay with us as opposed to the guy down the street or across the block, right? That may be your, your special rooftop. That may be a, a special kind of room that, but you know what? It's probably the people in the hotel, right? You have superstars that work at the front desk that are constantly mentioned on TripAdvisor. Highlight those people. That's what this is all about. At the end of the day, this is a people business. It's all about creating connections. And that would be another thing I would say for a hotel to get on social media is that you can create authentic connections. It feels more real than your website. When people find your website, they expect it to look pretty and curated and they know all those pictures are Photoshop. And that's fine. It's supposed to look that way. But people go on social media to get the behind the scenes, to get a, a more real feel. You know, find somebody who's good on camera, who, or who wants to participate, have them give you a little tour of the rooms or the lobby, put that in your story highlights, you know, start to develop that connection on social media, because that's where that guest journey is beginning now, where the, the sooner we realize that, the better we're all going to be. It's not when they show up at the desk, by the time they show up at the desk, there's been three or four touch points that have made them choose this hotel. And right now that is likely starting 
on Instagram. They're going to find you on Instagram. Somebody may tag them in a post or they'll search and they'll find you. That's where it starts. One of the things that comes up for me a lot when people make suggestions about what are a hotel's differentiating features Mm -hmm. is I think back to the really boring hotels I worked at. There, you know, I had some really rock star, beautiful properties, and I also had some very like, here we are in an office park. And so to hear you say the thing about rock star people really rings true with me because it's, you know, some hotels just don't have anything special to talk about. They don't have a mm-hmm. rooftop bar. They have a, you know, boring breakfast and a clean room and that's all they've got. So I love the idea that you can sort of get beyond just the physical features of the property and highlight who the people are that bring it to life. Absolutely. What do you think is the biggest mistake hotels make when they start on Instagram or social in general? People have not taken it seriously. It's just something that's an afterthought. And I think that's a result of a lot of the issues in our industry right now, not to get too, you know, on my soapbox here, but going back to things like training that we talked about during the show, right? I can count on two fingers the amount of hotels I've worked at where I got a real onboarding training schedule for any position because we're constantly firefighting. We're constantly short-staffed. We're constantly, oh, let's just hire this person and just throw them out at the desk. We'll teach you, you know, on the fly. And then you get them where they're good enough and then you let them go and they're not supported. And then you wonder why three or four months from now, they're looking for another job or they don't want to stick it out and why it's hard to hire people now. Everybody's talking about the hiring crisis because these are all part of these problems. We don't take anything seriously enough, (laughs) it, it seems. And social media is just part of that. The mindset in the industry is just... Let's just get it done. And it's almost like like survive as opposed to thrive, right? As opposed to let's set up a plan. Okay, you know what? Maybe we're going to be a little short staff for the next few days, but let's find the right people. Let's train them properly. If we're going to do an Instagram page, if we're going to actually promote this hotel on social media, then let's do it right. Let's set up a plan. Let's find a person that we can dedicate this to, even if it's three days a week. I'm not. You may or may not need a full-time person for that, right? Or if you want to go the agency route, but hey, go to an agency and say, listen, this is, these are the things about our hotel that are great. This is what our guests are saying. This is what we want to highlight. This is what we need to improve on. But show us how to build that. How do we put that out there? Do you think it's hard to demonstrate return on investment harder in social media than it is in other channels? It's not an immediate return. I mean, and I think that's another issue in this industry. It, you know, I, it would a lot of times, and I'm speaking from my personal experience. A lot of times, anything that's done is one immediate return, right? You know, owners build a new meeting room, million dollars in catering revenue by next year, right? Uh, or we we invest in a piece of technology. We need to fire two people so we can make that money right back. Right. So that's just how we think in this business, unfortunately. But social media, I don't think is any less of a return on investment than your e-blast, than your website. But we all do those things. Right. And we, we invest thousands of dollars every month and we budget for this every year in your websites, your, e- your emails, uh, even salespeople going on some of these trade shows. Right. Do you book a piece of business every single show? Probably not. 
But you're but what you're doing is you're investing the fact of putting yourself and your brand out there in front of a lot of people on a consistent basis with the expectation that at some point that's going to return. That's going to return a group to you. That's going to return guests to you. If you started a hotel Instagram page today, you're not going to sell out your hotel in a week. That's going to take time to build up, to build up your, your follower base, your, your strategy and, and, and get that all working. But eventually in the long run, if you stay consistent with that, People are going to find you. People are going to learn about this hotel and they're going to say, you know what? The next time I'm in that area, this place looks really cool. I'm going to remember that place. I'm going to bookmark this post because when I'm, I'm actually going, I'm going to Chicago in three weeks. And you know what? This, this hotel looks really cool. I'm, I may want to stay there. Let's look ahead. What predictions do you have for the future of top line revenue in hospitality? Look into your crystal ball and tell me what you see. <laughs> <laughs> I will say everybody keeps talking about, you know, getting back to 2019 numbers and, and things like that. I don't see that happening for a couple of years. I'd say late 2023 at the earliest. I think you're going to see more hybrid positions, which I think is good ultimately. Because again, going back to this whole hiring issue that we're having, um, you need to get the right people in these positions. But pay them properly, right? What you don't want to do, you know, hey, a lot of people say, oh, if you, if you paid us better, true, but you don't want to pay the wrong people better, right? I think, <laughs> I think we have an opportunity now to get some of these people who, uh, you know, like some of those Instagram accounts we were talking about, these people who just want to bash guests and have this attitude. Let's get them out. Let's create a position where instead of it's a GSA, right? Maybe make everyone at your desk sort of like a concierge, for lack of a better term. But support them with some technology where they're not spending three hours doing paperwork at the end of the day and all these checklists and stuff like that, answering phones. Let's try to streamline that as much as possible. Pay them a little better, but get the right people in there. Get the right people into these positions. I think from a revenue standpoint, because that's my background, you'll see a lot more commercial type positions where you're doing revenue, maybe a bit of marketing, a bit of sales and PR and having a, a revenue person that's a bit more involved in all of that. I think that's going to be something that, that comes out of this as well. Alvin Taloki, thank you so much for being here. Your wisdom, your tips, your humor, your creativity. I know that all of our listeners are going to get a lot out of our conversation today. So I appreciate you riding up to the top floor with us. However, you. <laughs> before you go, we are going to head back downstairs, go out to the loading dock, because that's where all of the best stories get told. Going down. I see. Well, let me uh, light up a cigarette for this one. <laughs> even, even though I don't smoke. But uh... <laughs> Okay, so what is a story from your travels or your career that you would only tell down here at the loading dock? Um... I'm going to tell this one because it kind of ties into the topic for today about social media and, and doing it right. But I worked at a hotel once that was a luxury property where we had a general manager who, let's just say, didn't understand branding very well. Right. So <laughs> I constantly had these conversations with him about 
picking the right influencers, for example. So he wanted to bring these influencers that were, you know, leaning up against a tree with a bikini on and like, yeah, well, we should get her to stay with us. She's got 300,000 followers. I'm like, this is a luxury property, man. Like, this is not, it's not South Beach, Miami. In your, right? like they, <laughs> there's a time and a place for all that stuff, but this, this doesn't vibe at all with what we're doing. And countless of these conversations. And you're like, you know what? At some point, you just got to say, oh, you're GM, do what you want, man. I, I'm, I'm done with this. But he really took the cake when he hired a fitness lady to do a class on our rooftop simply so he could date her. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so maybe it wasn't that he didn't understand branding. He was yeah. branding himself, not yeah. your luxury property. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know what? It's, I, you know, you didn't need to bring the hotel into that. You've got the business card, right? You could just say, hey, listen, you know, I'm the GM of a luxury hotel. Let's uh, Let's go out for a drink and maybe we'll talk about what I could do for you. You know, we don't need to bring the hotel into this. That didn't need to come to the Rev Max meeting. You know, keep that to yourself. <laughs> but yeah, he, he went and hired this girl. And um, next thing you know, he he brought her to some kind of work party on the rooftop. And it was like, so this is why we reduced our, our PR budget for. So we could bring this person in so you could get a date. Thank you again for being with us. It was wonderful to get to talk and hear about your career. And I hope you'll come back. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash three. This episode is sponsored in part by She Has a Deal. She Has a Deal offers inspiration and education to achieve the goal of increasing the number of women hotel owners and developers. With pitch competitions for both early career and experienced women, programs channel the power of collaboration and mentorship by connecting experts and newbies, experienced investors, and hotel operations leaders. Learn more at shehasadeal.com. Top Floor is a production of Long Live Lodging. Our elevated elevator music was composed and performed by John Albano, designed by Neha Patel and Jason Lum. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 